Holly G with the Golf Insiders for this edition of Tour Talk. We got all kinds of things happening in the golf world and another major right around the corner. But this week it's all about going to Jack's Place, Muirfield Village. And we're going to uh, talk to one of our favorite golf insiders. He's everywhere on the Golf Channel these days and co-host of Golf Today, Damon Hack. Hello, D. Holly G, how you doing? Happy spring. It is gorgeous. And we're headed to Memorial up in Ohio. But first, let's talk about the Colonial and uh, how that wrapped up on Sunday. Your thoughts? Yeah, Emiliano Grillo hadn't won on the PGA Tour in uh, nearly eight years, seven years and seven months to be exact, and double bogey the 72nd hole. We saw his ball kind of rolling, rolling down, now kind of gently down the stream, run from yeah. the wrong direction, ends up taking a drop, hits it off the cart pass, makes a double bogey, and looked like he was just going to be, you know, melting remoted. down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Instead, he invited some kids to hit some shots while Emiliano was awaiting a playoff with Adam Shake, and that was really kind of a, an indication into how much perspective Emiliano had. He even said afterwards, I double bogeyed that hole and I didn't care. You know, he awaits the playoff and, and makes a great birdie on the second playoff hole and beats Adam Shake. Adam so close to winning in Tampa as well and comes up short in Fort Worth. But Emiliano said having a child, 14 months ago, gave him some perspective and some calmness, and that's why he did not melt down when he made that six on the final hole in regulation on Sunday. Well, that uh, that was impressive indeed, and we're seeing some great comeback stories this year already, Damon. We really are. We're seeing some, some resilient players. When you think about Chris Kirk and Keegan Bradley, and they've come back from different things. Chris Kirk from a very a public battle with alcoholism and came back and able to win in Honda. And then, of course, Keegan Bradley, a major champ who had so much success young and was slowed by the anchor band, the anchor putting band, and he won uh, the Zozo in Japan. So it's, I'll tell you what, this game, these careers never go in a straight line. Do There's a lot of up, there's a lot of down, and you have to just tip your cap to those who show some great resiliency. Well, speaking of which, right in that list is Brooks Kepka winning the PGA Championship uh, in Rochester. Another guy that's coming back from a rare surgery is nine-time tour winner Brent Snedeker. Yeah, yeah, we had a nice uh, conversation with Todd Lewis on Golf Today earlier this week. He caught up with Brent Snedeker, and it's been, uh, gosh, I want to say since September since we last saw him. He had uh, a very complicated surgery uh, dealing with his sternum, and uh, he's been dealing with a lot of different pain kind of through the years, and he said he's very grateful to be back on the PGA Tour, and you know, I imagine he'll take some patience and have some grace and know that it's going to take him some time probably back to where he wants to be. But I think his attitude is a 15th club, and Brad has always been a very positive person, one of the media favorites because he's just always so giving with his time. Uh, hopefully he can continue to, to have that positive outlook even as he comes back from a very difficult surgery. Well, it has been a big couple of weeks for college golf and extensive coverage. Thank you very much, Golf Channel. It's been just so fun to watch the best of the best at the collegiate level. The Florida Gators 
coming out on top. The men's yesterday uh, beating uh, Georgia Tech. It's amazing, amazing to see. You got the J.C. Deacon, the head coach uh, of Florida, which is such a decorated program, really going all the way back to the days of Buddy Alexander and able to win the program's fifth national title, but their first national title since the year 2001. And then you got Georgia Tech. They've now have five runner-up finishes in the national championship, the first runner-up finish in the match play. But Bruce Hepler has put together a great program at Georgia Tech. They just come up a little bit short. But my goodness, you think about Florida and the talent they have, Fred Biondi and Ricky Castillo, and they really showed some strong stuff. And what a year for J.C. Deacon, the coach, who also works with Kurt Kitayama on the PGA Tour. You mentioned a first-time winners. Kurt Kitayama got the job done at Bay Hill. I spoke to him after that final round for NBC, and I actually was texting J.C. during that week, and he told me how tough uh, and unafraid Kurt Kitayama would be over the weekend. That proved to be true. Uh, despite some very big fish swimming in that pond, you had Rory McIlroy on that leaderboard, Jordan Spieth on that leaderboard, Harris English on that leaderboard, and you had you know the relatively unknown Kurt Kitayama outlast them all. So between his pro PGA Tour winner and his college kids, it's been quite a few months for J.C. Deacon and the Florida Gators. Absolutely, and Rose Zhang is going to make her pro debut on the LPGA this week. Yeah, Liberty National Golf Club in the shadow of Lady Liberty. I, you talk about how busy I am. I actually hosted the Q&A and the Pro-Am party this week after being on the air on Golf Today. I drove down to Jersey City. I was able to introduce myself to Rose Zhang, told her that uh, you've won everything as an amateur. I think you made the right decision. Incredibly humble, sweet young lady who had a tremendous two-year career uh, from a playing standpoint, breaking Tiger's record. She had 12 career wins in two years, which is a remarkable number for this player, but also someone who has vowed to finish her degree and will lean on the likes of Michelle Wee, someone who continued to go to school and take classes even as she pursued a professional career. So Rose has some really good minds in her corner, has met Tiger Woods, a fellow Stanford alum. So I think Rose who was so just remarkably consistent and prolific in college, will probably have a very strong professional career when you look at her strengths precise off the tee, very calm inside the ropes. Uh, I think her game sets up well for major championships. She, of course, is a U.S. Girls Junior Champ, a U.S. Women's Amateur Champ, Augusta National Women's Amateur Champ, twice an NCAA Individual Champ. She's done a lot of winning. I don't expect that to stop uh, just because she has her name on her bag now. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's pretty special. I think, uh, you know, of course, we, we always build these great expectations, Damon, but I, I think we've got a true rock star coming up in women's professional golf for sure. Yeah, and I hope that uh, the media and herself and her team allow her that patience because just because she's been on TV for the last few years, we feel like we've known her story so well, uh, doesn't mean that you know, she's going to go out there and, and just dominate when you've got the likes of Jin Young Ko and Lydia Ko and the Cordes sisters. Though both of the Cordes sisters are dealing with injury at this point in the year. But Lulia Vu, the UCLA Bruin, is a major champ. Patty Tapatanik, another UCLA Bruin, is a major champ. You know, Jennifer Tupcho is a major champ. So I think you've got to have some 
tempered expectations, but from the team around her, from her temperament, and from her resume, it would be a surprise if she somehow got to the pros and started to struggle. We are about to uh, see the first round get underway up uh, at Mirfield Village in Ohio. Looks like uh, some good weather on tap. Damon, tell us a little bit about uh, the history here and, um, you know, why it fits some players' eye and why it doesn't others. Yeah, you know, I got to speak to, to Jack Nicholas this week along with uh, my co-host Eamon Lynch and talked about the history of it. I asked Jack specifically what he wanted out of this tournament when he started it in 1976. And kind of an ode to the golf course is to Augusta National. The caddies wear white jumpsuits. It's an like Augusta National and the Masters. It is an annual you know, right of spring and as spring transitions into summer, you know, very close to the Memorial Day weekend. And he wanted a special tournament that the players would, uh, you know, come to and be treated uh, like the uh, the stars that they are. And one of the great things about Augusta is that it's really geared toward the players and just in terms of their comfort, the quality of the driving range golf balls, the food, the, the gym, and, of course, the golf course. There's a similar vibe at Muirfield Village. Uh, it speaks to the strength of field that we see year after year. Of course, this year it's a designated event as seven of the top ten in the world, some 38 of the top 50 in the world, some 19 major championship winners are in this field. So it's a chance to have Jack Nicholas greet you on the 72nd hole. We spoke to Billy Horschel this week. He talked about how special that was to have his kids see him win in person for the first time last year. Billy shot a bogey-free 65 on Saturday, uh, seven birdies, made a huge eagle on Sunday from 55 feet. And then he talked about having his kids run out on the green and then telling Jack Nicholas after he made that birdie uh, or that eagle putt, I did it just like you, big guy. So, uh, so many great stories and a wonderful history, of course, Tiger with not the field, but he won uh, the Memorial Tournament five times so far. We know John Rahm uh, has a fond place in his heart for, for Memorial, and he more and more is beginning to remind me of the Golden Bear. What about you, Damon? Yeah, he, he's someone who respects history. The first three questions of John Rahm's presser this week were about Jack Nicholas, and though he did not grow up, you know, he wasn't even around when, when Nicholas was doing his thing. He was very aware of what happened in 1986, which was a, a dark day for Spain, in the Masters when Chevy Ballesteros was unable to hold on to that lead and found water on that 15th hole. And Jack Nicklaus walked through that door and was able to, you know, flag it at 16, make a birdie at 17 and a par at 18 to win his 18th major championship in six green jackets. So even in a dark day for, for John Rahm's hero and Chevy Ballesteros, John Rahm always aware of the history of this game, the importance of this tournament. I think that's part of the reason why he's amassed such a wonderful record. He knows where the greats have won. He's well aware that Tigers won the Memorial five times, and he wants to put his name you know, on that short list of great, great players. He won it in 2020 and nearly won it in 2021, but for that positive COVID test, right. he had a six-shot lead going into the final round and had to withdraw from the tournament. What uh, what do you think's going on with Rory's game right now, Damon? Uh, you know, we thought perhaps he had gotten things back on track for the PGA Championship. He was in the mix, but, you know, didn't have his best stuff. Hasn't seemed to be able to figure out Muirfield. Uh, what are your thoughts on Rory? 
Yeah, Rory coming out, I think, of a, a bit of a mal, uh, malaise after the Masters. And remember when uh, he uh, was on our air, I want to say Todd Lewis interviewed him at Quail Hollow, and he just looked completely tuckered and a little bit exhausted about all of the questions that had come before and after Augusta. It's just the run-up every year uh, seems to take a lot out of him. Uh, we thought that he would have his best up at Augusta, collectively the media, seeing him play so well at Bay Hill. Missed the cut at the Players' Championship, but then finished third at match play, and the thought was, well, he's got his driver working. He drove the green at 18 to take out Denny McCarthy, finished third there, beat right. uh, Scotty Scheffler in the in the consolation championship, as it were, to finish third. So the thought was he'd have his best at Augusta and seemed to be in a good mental place that week. Tuesday and Wednesday, his mental coach, uh, Dr. Bob Rotella was in Augusta having sessions with Rory. So to see him miss the cut told us that this was just too much going on with carrying the, the weight of expectation to complete the career Grand Slam, being the face of the PGA Tour in this battle versus Liv. It just seemed like too much was going on and too much on his shoulders. So I think Rory trying to emerge from that malaise following the miscut at the Masters. Had a decent week at the PGA, as you mentioned, finished tied for seventh, but hopefully trying to get a little bit of energy back. I thought he had a little bit of a spark in his eye this week in the press conference that I saw with Rory compared to how he looked in Charlotte. I think we will once again see some of his good golf here as the spring hits the summer and as he looks ahead to the third major championship of the year, the U.S. Open. And, of course, the Open will be at Hoylake, where Rory won in 2014 the Claret Job. Well, he did make some headlines uh, saying that Brooks Kepka should be the only live player deserving of Ryder Cup. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think he respects Brooks. They still live in the same part of the world, Jupiter, Florida, and occasionally bump into each other, play a practice round together. I think his point was that if Brooks Kepka is among the six qualifiers for that U.S. team, that he should be a part of that team, this being a PGA of America event on the American side as opposed to a PGA Tour event where Brooks Kepka no longer plays week to week. However, on the European side, of course, that is a European Tour event. So when you have the players like the Westwood, Sergio Garcia, Ian Poulter resigning from the European Tour to expect them to be on the team uh, is the point that Roy McIlroy was trying to make. Not quite apples to apples comparison. So while John Rahm may be wistful about the lack of a potential Spanish duo like they had at the Whistling Straits when you had Rahm and Sergio and of course historically Seve and Jose Maria Olazabal, Rory's point was, listen, this is a PG of America event on the American side as opposed to a PGA Tour event. And if the Americans haven't won in Europe since 1993, you have to think Zach Johnson's going to want the 12 best Americans no matter where they play. Couldn't agree more. So a couple other items that are in the ethers right now. One is that uh, the Tour is still discussing the no-cut options in 2024. We see these these rounds on Friday and where the players are just grinding it out to get to to get to the weekend. Uh, where do you think the players stand on the no cuts? Yeah, I think they stand on, on different sides of the street. You know, I know Tiger Woods, who's a host of the Genesis, which is a designated event and an invitational, one of the most prized 
records that he has is 142 consecutive cuts made. And, and the fact that you know, you should have to grind on a Friday and making a cut is a part of being a professional. And so that's where the tour has to figure out how they figure that out and how they going to fall down on this because on the one side you have sponsors who don't want to lose the best players on a Friday. They want the fans on the grounds and the sponsors to be able to enjoy Rory McIlroy for four days. Uh, but there's also the side that says kind of more of an old school thing. You know, you it's all about making cuts. There's cuts to make qualifying events. There's cuts to play into the weekend. And that the, the DNA of professional golf is about making a cut. So I'm kind of old school. I, I tell you what, having covered those old WGC events, it just they lacked a little bit of energy. There was no jeopardy. There was no jeopardy until late Sunday. So I just, if there's not a cut, I just said there has to be something. Otherwise, it could get a little bit sleepy, and the players won't be necessarily as sharp and as hungry and as feisty if everything is guaranteed once you make it to the big time. Well, the players met with the USGA and the RNA regarding the golf ball, Damon, rolling back the golf ball. What do you think about that? Where, where, where are we going with this whole conversation? Yeah, Josh, it's a good question. Uh, I talked to Jack about that. He says he's been talking about it for years. He quoted Bobby Jones, who back in the 30s and 40s was concerned about the length that the golf ball was going my one concern is, are we going to lose some golf courses if we don't do something, if the game doesn't do something? At the same time, listen, I was ooing and eyeing when Rory hit that drive onto the green at, at Austin Country Club in the midst of the match play. He's still going to be the longest player if there is a, a finally a, a red line that this equipment and these golf balls aren't able to cross. I don't want the entertainment to be taken away. I want the game to be dumbed down. I think that the elite, elite, elite players are going to fight away because they're stronger, they're you know, swinging harder than they ever have, and they will continue to make birdies and eagles. I don't want to see the 8,500-yard golf courses. That's my concern. I want to see Colonial, and, and I want to see um, you know Marion, and I want to see Pebble Beach remain as important and as a big of a test as they've always been. So I understand what the USA and RNA are doing. As popular as the game is right now, you might think the timing is a little bit off, but I think that the, the powers that be, the governing bodies, have to do something because these guys are only training harder, the equipment's only getting better, and soon 360 and 70-yard drives are going to become the norm as opposed to the exception. Well, in case anybody's into the numbers, Cameron Champ leads the tour this season in club head speed with 126.47 miles per hour average, Damon. The tour average is 115. Uh, where do you clock in, my friend? <laughs> you know, much uh, lower than that. I can tell you that. Probably more in the uh, upper 90s to low 100s these days. But I tell you, I saw Padraig Carrington. I was... Chat with him on the range in, in Valero at the, in San Antonio, Valero, Texas, Open. His ball speed is 180, even at the age of 51. So, Tonya, these guys at all levels of the game are training for speed, speed, and more speed. 
All right, so time to throw your dart. Who is going to win on Sunday? One from the top of the pack and, and one who might be a dark horse. I'll go John Rum. It would be the, the chop pick, but he's just so comfortable. The four par fives, the history, the comfort that he's already won once, and the feeling that he had one taken away from him. Uh, I just like John Rom in this situation, in this spot. Already a highly talented player, but when he's highly motivated as well, and history's on the line, he's someone I look at. But also watch Sahith Tagala. We've seen a few first-time winners through the years at Memorial. Justin Rose, for example. Yes. Matsuyama, David Lingworth. So watch Sahith Tagala, who's been in contention quite a bit in his young career. The Pepperdine alum would not surprise me at all. Should he break through, hits the ball a long way, hits it high, a modern swinger of the golf club. And who, Damon, do you see coming around for the U.S. Open, which is going to the West Coast in L.A. Country Club? You know that area better than anybody. Uh, what, what's your early prognostication in terms of uh, the, how that course is going to set up and for who? They're hoping firm and fast. It's been an exceedingly wet winter and spring in Southern California. I have that both from the USGA and from my mom and sister who live in Los Angeles. But I've been thinking about Colin Morikawa, the Cal Golden Bear, two-time major champ who played in the 2017 Walker Cup and went 4-0 and at L.A. Country Club, 2-0 and in foursomes, 2-0 and in singles. I've had his name circled for some six months, I just think that he's been kind of under the radar this season, has not played his best golf since losing that lead on Maui uh, to start the year. But Colin Morikawa has tremendous ties to Los Angeles, tremendous memories, grew up some half hour away from L.A. North, depending on the traffic. Uh, he is my early pick to win the United States Open. I love it. Well, you get it all here, the Golf Insiders. If you're in a major pool for this year, go place your bet because you just got some inside scoop from one of the best, Damon Hack from the Golf Channel. And, Damon, how can we watch the Memorial this week? And I know you guys are going to be all over it. Yeah, Golf Channel, we got it on uh, Peacock as well. You got the Mizuho Americas Open. That's the LPJ event. That's also going to be on Golf Channel as well. you got the Principal Charity Classic. If you're into the 50 and over set, that begins on Friday. So as, you know, as we roll the way we do it, just whatever you like on all levels of the game, check us out on Golf Channel. And of course, Golf Today, usually Monday through Wednesday or Monday through Friday, and Golf Central wrapping up the big days in golf as we are wont to do. Well, we always appreciate your time. Damon Hack, the Golf Channel. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Holly G.